The point is that Allah, we could not imagine a situation in which Allah tells us you can only go to Jannah if you don't sin. But rather Allah told us what? You will sin. You avoid whatever you can. You stay within the limits as much as you can. And when you sin, you recognize that that's how you are. And you quickly rush to ask Allah's forgiveness. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَّاهَا الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So first of all my sincerest apologies for being away for such a long time uh, we did announce to the brothers in the class that there would be a break. Uh, SubhanAllah, it was quite a long break. Now we, my brothers and sisters, we are on a journey. And this journey is an introduction to the purification of the soul, Tezkiyatun Nafs. And we started with an introduction to the topic, and then we spoke about Muhasabatun Nafs, taking your soul to account, and that was our topic the last time that we sat together on this journey then you guys know a little bit about the topic now you know what it's about and we said that it's built upon two fundamental pillars right it's built upon it's built upon purifying the heart and building up the heart so last time we spoke about taking yourself to account because you need to know what situation your heart is in before you start doing something to it. You can't really purify it, you can't really think about it, you can't really develop it, you can't build it until you know what it is. You look at it and you say, okay, what do I have? After that, what is the next logical process or the next logical step in this journey or on this journey, it is a tawbah wal istighfar. Asking Allah's forgiveness and repenting to Allah. And this is absolutely critical because before we build, we have to clean. Before we develop something and we build something, we have to first of all clean the place that we are building upon. And in reality, it's not the case that we ever stop cleaning it because it's not the case that it ever stops getting dirty. It's constantly getting dirty and it's constantly in a state of it where it needs to be cleaned. However, before we even speak about building the heart on the heart and developing the heart and raising the Iman, and we need to first of all clean what is there. And so the next thing that I want to speak to you about after muhasabatun nafs, taking yourself to account is at-tawbatu wal-istighfar. Asking Allah's forgiveness and repentance. Now, this is a very big topic. I think all of you know when you read the Quran that this topic is mentioned in the Quran. I don't think there is a page that goes by and Allah knows best except that Allah mentions in connection to this topic. So there's no doubt that in this short time that we have together, perhaps 40 minutes or so, we're not going to cover every single evidence or every ayah or every hadith. But I've tried to separate the discussion into parts. And once again, we're going to be primarily basing our explanation upon the works of Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim Rahimahullah Ta'ala. We're going to start with a heading which is, I have entitled it, Knowing Your Lord. Because in reality, the beginning of asking for forgiveness is knowing Allah. And until you know Allah, your seeking forgiveness will never be upon the way that Allah wants it from you. To ask Allah's forgiveness, you must first know who you are asking forgiveness from. And there are many evidences for this. From them is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا 
innahu huwal ghafur rahim surah az-zumar say o oh my servants who have transgressed against themselves which of us didn't transgress against themselves all of us all of us and that's why reality ikhwani is that our sins hurt us they don't hurt allah when you disobey allah you didn't harm allah anything but you harmed yourself and so you transgressed against yourself don't despair of the mercy of allah look at how the first thing allah tells you is to know him to know that allah forgives all sins to know that you cannot reach a place where you are prevented from allah's mercy if you ask for it so nobody this is from the greatest calamities that shaitan can whisper to a person is to whisper to that person that they cannot be forgiven or that allah will not forgive them don't despair from allah's mercy allah forgives all sins and this is an evidence that there is no sin not even shirk there is no sin that allah cannot forgive if a person brings the conditions of that forgiveness in the case of shirk they repent in this life as for if they die with it allah promised he will not forgive it but in this life there is nothing whatever you imagine you have done there is nothing that you cannot be forgiven for if you just know how to ask for that forgiveness and to know how to ask is based on knowing the one that you are asking so the first thing we've understood is we've understood that there is no one who is outside of the mercy of Allah no matter how much you transgress against yourself and there is no sin that Allah will not forgive if a person asks Allah's forgiveness and we can summarize all of this with what Allah is Al Ghafur, the one who is always forgiving. Al Rahim, the one who is always merciful. And Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً أَوْ ظَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ ذَكَرُوا اللَّهَ فَاسْتَغْفَرُوا لِذُنُوبِهِمْ وَمَنْ يَغْفِرُوا الذُّنُوبَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَلَمْ يُصِرُّوا عَلَى مَا فَعَلُوا وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ This ayah is clear in the meaning we're trying to convey to you, knowing Allah. Those people, when they do a fahisha, and a fahisha is something which is terribly wrong. It's actually normally used for immorality, like zina and the likes of it. But something which is really horrifically wrong. It's way over the boundaries. Or they oppress themselves because we said that sins hurt you. It doesn't hurt Allah. They remember Allah. They remember Allah. And that's why we say to anyone, and you know yourself better, the situation you're in, the sins that you're doing, what you've done, the first step, don't forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember Allah. And look at what Allah said. Dhakarullah fa fa. Here the fa is important. Fa. Here is a letter you feed to ta'qib. It means immediately. They ask forgiveness for their sins. Why? Because they know who their Lord is. They know who their Lord is. And if you wish, recite the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ وَنَهَا النَّفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَى فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى There are two opinions in this tafsir of the, of the word maqam. But one of them is that the maqam here is Allah's honor and status. If you fear Allah's names and attributes, you will stop yourself from sin and you will be from the people of Jannah because of your fear of Allah's names and attributes and what those names and attributes contain. 
And the other is that the word maqam means al-qiyam, and he fears standing in front of Allah, yawm al-qiyam. And both of them are true. So a person remembers Allah, when they remember Allah, what automatically happens? They ask Allah to forgive them. Because they know who Allah is. If they don't know who Allah is, then they will not automatically ask Allah to forgive them. They will fall into one of two extremes. Either they're going to say, Allah will not forgive me, because they don't know who Allah is. Or they're going to say, Allah will certainly forgive me and I'm guaranteed Jannah, because they don't know who Allah is. But those who know who Allah is, they are scared of Allah. And it was said from the early generations, Nobody ever worshipped Allah with better than fear. And being scared of the fact that Allah is Sari'ul Hisab, Shadeedul Iqab. Allah is severe in punishment, Shadeedul Adab, severe in retribution, Dhuntiqam. He takes retribution from those people. He knows everything you do. Alimun Khabir, Sami'un Basir. This makes you scared of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you don't go to the other side either, where you despair. Because the people who despair of Allah, in reality, these are the disbelievers. The people who despair of Allah. Like Iblis, Iblis truly despairs of Allah's Rahmah, and he deserves to despair of it. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't give him any hope. So don't be from the people like that. But until you know Allah, you won't automatically ask for Allah's forgiveness. And then Allah emphasizes, There is no one can forgive your sin except Allah. Wallahi, I, every time I speak to someone who, for example, from among the Christians, not every Christian group does this, but it's common that they have, uh, what do they call it, confession. They have confession, the Catholics have that. Where, wallahi, I don't know something any more, just such a terrible state to be in, that you go to another person and you say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And this person you're asking, he's more of a mujrim than you are. And you go to him, he's a criminal, and a mujrim, and a liar, and a sinner, and you go to him and say, forgive me, for I have sinned. And when I tell this, sometimes, subhanAllah, a person might even accept Islam based on that alone. Nobody forgives your sins except Allah. You don't go to anyone and say, forgive me, for I have sinned. Forgive me for what I did to you, yes. Forgive me, I lied. Forgive me, I took your things. Forgive me, I did backbiting. But you don't go to someone and say, forgive me for what is between me and Allah. Nobody forgives the sins except Allah. And they don't keep on doing the same thing again. وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ Be careful here. This is all the ayah. I wanted it for this statement here. وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ While they know Allah. They don't keep going in their sin because they know Allah. They don't keep falling into this haram because they know Allah. So if you see yourself keep falling into that sin, that means there's something wrong in what you know about Allah. You don't know enough about Allah. You're not remembering Allah enough. Because if you remembered Allah enough and you knew who it was that you were sinning against, then you would be like these people, they won't continue. And that shows that my dear brothers and sisters, we fall into sins, but there are certain things worse than others. And one of them that is worse than others is continuously doing the same thing without caring about it. And that's why even the sagira, the baby sin, 
if you keep doing it again and again and you stop caring about it, it becomes a kabira, a major sin in the sight of Allah. Ajib. Something small, right? Something that normally you'd be forgiven just for wudu. Would you be forgiven for it? Just for praying, you'd be forgiven for it. Just for you gave some charity, you just gave a little bit of money, you put five dirhams in the box, you'd be forgiven for it. But because you take it so easy and you don't think it's a big deal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts it to the level of al-kabira, the major sins. Like a riba and zina and killing people without right. And Allah puts it right up there. Because you don't think it's a big deal that you do that sin again and again and again. Whereas it's a sin that if you thought it was bad and you didn't do it, but you know, you sometimes fell into it by accident, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would forgive you for it just by the good deeds that you did. And the hadith of Anas ibn Malikin radiallahu an, he said, Sami'tu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul, qala Allah. He said, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say that Allah said. Now this statement Allah said, it means this is hadithun qudusi. That's how it should be with a dhamma on the dal and not Qudsi. Because Al-Quds is a city, Jerusalem. And it should be Qudusi. Hadithun Qudusi. That Allah Azza wa Jal said, Yabana Adam. And the hadith Qudusi, just as a fa'idah, the correct opinion is that it is from the speech of Allah Azza wa Jal. And it's not from the speech of the Prophet ﷺ, but the Prophet narrates it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yabna Adam, O son of Adam, innaka ma da'awtani wa rajawtani ghafartu laka ala ma kana fika wa la ubali. O son of Adam, as long as you make dua to me and you have hope in me, I will forgive you whatever you have done and I don't mind. This statement that Allah says, Wala ubali, and it's nothing to me to forgive every sin you have done. It, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing. And for us, and sometimes to get over something someone did to you, it's so hard. You're like, this person did this to me and I, I can't forgive them and I can't get over it. Allah says, La ubali, I don't care. I forgive you everything you did. As long as you make dua to me, as long as you have hope in me, I will forgive you everything you did and it doesn't matter anything to me. Yabna Adam, law balagat dhunubuka anana sama. Thumma staghfartani ghafartu lak. Wala ubali. O son of Adam, if your sins reached up to the clouds, the roof of the sky, I would, and then you ask my forgiveness, I would forgive you and I don't mind, it doesn't matter anything to me. What did Allah ask you? And dua, make dua to him, al-raja, have hope in him, and al-istighfar, ask to forgive him, ask him to forgive you. Yabna Adam, إِنَّكَ لَوْ أَتَيْتَنِي بِقُرَابِ الْأَرْضِ خَطَايَا ثُمَّ لَقِيتَنِي لَا تُشْرِكُ بِي شَيْئًا لَأَتَيْتُكَ بِقُرَابِهَا مَغْفِرَةً O son of Adam, if you came to me with the size of the earth in sins, and you met me and you didn't make any partner with me, I would bring you the same size of the earth in forgiveness. Allah, Allah doesn't ask anything from you. Except that you make dua to him, you don't make any partner with him, you have hope in him, you ask him to forgive you. But I wanted from this hadith for you to think about how you have to know Allah. If you didn't know that about Allah, you might never ask Allah to forgive you. If you didn't know about Allah, that Allah would forgive you with just these small things, you might never ask Allah to forgive you. Or you might despair, or you might say, Allah will not forgive me, or you might feel heavy in your heart. But when you know these things about Allah, you say, okay, I did something really bad, but let me just go back over the points. I'm gonna make dua to Allah. I'm gonna ask Allah to forgive me. I'm gonna have hope in Allah. I'm gonna make sure that I don't make a partner with Allah in anything. 
And it's easy for a person to come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the hadith of Abi Hurairah radiallahu anhu, and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, fima yahki an rabbihi azza wa jal, another hadith qudusi, that Allah azza wa jal said, adnaba abdun dhamba, faqala allahumma ghfir li dhambi. A servant of Allah has committed a sin. He said, Oh Allah, forgive my sin. Allah says, Blessed and exalted, I have a servant. This servant of mine did a sin. And he knows what's, what's the only thing he brought. He knows that he has a Lord who forgives and punishes. He knows he has a Lord who forgives sins and punishes for sins. Then he did it again. He did the same sin again. He said, my Lord, forgive me my sin. So far, the only thing he has done, he hasn't even stopped it. All he has done is he has asked Allah to forgive him knowing that Allah can forgive and knowing that Allah can punish. And Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala, he says, My servant did a sin and he knows that he has a Lord who forgives and punishes. Then he did it again. And he said, My Lord, forgive me my sin. And Allah said, My servant committed a sin. He knows he has a Lord. That's the only thing that Allah mentions that he did that is good. He knows that Allah can punish him. He knows that Allah can forgive him. Until Allah says to him, اعمل ما شئت فقد غفرت لك. Do whatever you want, I forgive you. Allah said, do whatever you want. Not meaning that it's okay for you to do haram. Meaning that whatever it is that you do from today, you're going to be forgiven just because you knew that your Lord forgives and punishes and you asked him to forgive you. He's going to forgive you whatever you did. The hadith narrated in Bukhari and Muslim. Some of the narrations, they say it doesn't, I don't know whether he did it three times or four times. Here there's an important point though to note. That doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that he intended to do the sin each time. You know, for example, that he said ask for forgiveness and then while asking for forgiveness, he was intending. But it means that he, you know, Allah forgive me, I'm going to stop. But then again, he did it again. If this is the case of the one who did the same sin over and over again, three, four times, what do you think about the one who only did it once or only did it twice? Is he not awla bil maghfirah, more deserving of being forgiven? He is, right? So we should not feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ever closed the door to a tawbah wal istighfar. But what we need to do is, we need to realize who Allah is and then ask Allah's forgiveness. And in the hadith of Shaddad ibn Aws, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Sayyidul Istighfar. And Yaqul, Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa ant, khalaqtani wa ana abduk, wa ana ala ahdika wa wa'adika mastata'at, a'udhu bika min sharri ma sana'at. He said the greatest dua of istighfar, Sayyidul istighfar, the greatest, the best, yani the, the king of asking for forgiveness, is to say, Oh Allah, you are my Lord. There is no God worthy of worship except you. You created me and I am your servant. And I am following your promise. 
and your covenant as much as I can. I seek refuge with you from the evil that I did. I confess to you my blessings, the blessings you gave me. I confess those blessings came from you. And I confess to my sins. So forgive me because nobody forgives sins except you. And this really, if we wanted to make a new heading for it, we could put it under the heading of Al-I'tiraf. Confessing that you really did a sin. And you could do other hadith also, because I put these two together really. Knowing Allah and confessing to your sin. But we can put another heading just to make it clear. We can say confessing. This is the next step. That is admitting that you did something wrong. Because how will you ask Allah, now you know that Allah forgives and punishes and you know Allah's mercy and you have hope in Allah and fear of Allah. But the next step is you must first confess that you did it wrong. And that's why here the person says, Oh Allah, I confess to you the blessings you gave me. I admit all of them are from you. And I admit that I have committed sins. And I think this is something where a lot of us, we do fall short. Sometimes the reason we fall short is that we don't really appreciate how much we sin. And in some of the ahadith, they mention that we sin bilayli wa nahar, all night and all day. But when we speak to people, especially practicing people, a lot of us, we feel like we don't sin that much. Because we look at the people around us, right? I don't declare myself to be innocent. We look at some people around us and we see, look, that brother doesn't pray and I pray. And that brother drinks alcohol, but I don't drink alcohol. And that person is in a bad relationship and I'm not in a bad relationship. So the shaitan starts to tell you, see, you're in a good place. You don't, make, you don't commit sins. And this is so, so dangerous. The shaitan wants to take you from one problem and throw you into another one, which is as bad. And it might even be worse than the situation of the people you're looking at. And that is to believe that you don't sin. There are so many types of sins. There are the sins of leaving the fara'id. There are the sins of doing the muharramat, it is separate between them. For example, the sins of leaving something Allah told you to do. Like Allah told you to be good to your parents, leaving it. Or the sin of doing something haram. And many times we forget about the tongue. The person says, oh, I didn't do anything that bad. I didn't commit zina and I don't have riba. But there are hadith that indicate that when you accuse your brother and you speak about his honor behind his back, it is worse yani, than, than zina. And in, it's narrated that it's worse than riba. So before you start to declare yourself to be innocent and say, Alhamdulillah, Allah saved me from those things, maybe you fell into with your tongue something that is greater than what the person you're looking at fell into. And what about al-ghafla? Leaving the things like just not being aware of what Allah gave you to do. And Allah gave you a bigger responsibility because Allah gave you this ni'mah of practicing Islam and Allah taught you it and Allah gave you a chance to learn. Many times we just didn't give thanks to Allah for that blessing that He gave us. And you can carry on and talk about the sins people don't know about and the things people should have done and all that. The gratitude you're supposed to show, the patience you're supposed to show. All the times that your heart just switched off from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All the times when you threw back that blessing that Allah gave you. There are too many sins. And if you really see somebody, anywho, that's why they used to say that the alim sees their sins like a mountain that's about to crush them. And the jahil sees their sins like a fly, you know, just keep swatting it away. They don't see it to be a big thing. So confessing to your sins. Al-Imam ibn Qayyim, he said, explaining this hadith, the hadith Sayyid al-Istighfar. He said, 
tadammana hadha al-istighfar al-i'tiraf min al-abd birububiyyatillahi wa ilahiyyatihi wa tawheedih he said this istighfar the first thing that it contains is it contains that the servant admits to Allah's lordship and Allah's deserving to be worshipped and the oneness of Allah this is important knowing Allah right we said how istighfar is connected to knowing Allah you're confessing nobody can forgive me except Allah that is ar-rububiyyah right Allah's lordship that Allah is the one that holds your forgiveness, not the priest and the pastor and the rabbi and whoever else. Allah holds your forgiveness, not the imam either. Allah is the one that holds your forgiveness, not those people. And that's Allah's rububiyyah, right? That's something, it's only for Allah, from the things that only Allah does. And as for Allah's ilahiyyah, Allah's deserving to be worshipped, you don't ask that forgiveness from anyone except Allah. You don't go to the grave of someone and say, oh, so-and-so, ask Allah to forgive me. But you ask Allah directly between you and Allah alone. And the oneness of Allah. Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa ant. The oneness of Allah. So it contains the rububiyyah of Allah, and the uluhiyyah of Allah and the asma wa sifat Allahumma anta rabbi Ar-Rabb is from the names of Allah La ilaha illa ant So it contains all the types of the oneness of Allah This dua, it contains Allah's lordship and worship and Allah's names and attributes Ibn Qayyim he said Wal-i'tiraf Bi-anna khaliqahu Al-alimu bih Said and the person admits that their creator knows them. They confess that their creator is the one that knows them. And Allah knows what I've done. And that Allah, إِذْ أَنْشَأَهُ نَشْأَةً تَسْتَلْزِمُ عَجْزُهُ عَنْ أَدَاءِ حَقِّهِ وَتَقْصِيرِهِ فِيهِ وَتَقْصِيرُهُ فِيهِ Both like that is better. وَتَقْصِيرُهُ فِيهِ He said, Allah Azza wa Jal has created you in such a way that you will not be able to fulfill Allah's right perfectly and you will fall short in it. This is amazing if you think about it. Allah didn't create you malaika. Allah didn't create you as angels, right? Allah didn't make you angels. Allah made the angels, they don't disobey him. As for you and me, Allah made us in a way that we have to sin. We're not saying that our sins are the fault of Allah. Never, our sins are our fault. But Allah made you in such a way, the nature he placed within you is a nature where you will sin. And that's why it's narrated that if you didn't sin, Allah would replace you with a people who would sin, so they would ask his forgiveness and Allah would forgive them. So the question is, what's the hikmah then? Why did Allah make you in a way that you sin? We said it's our fault, right? But why make us like that? He made you like that so that you recognize his lordship and his deserving of worship and so you ask his forgiveness. Would you imagine how could it be if Allah said to us, you can only go to Jannah if you don't sin. You'll only go to Jannah on the condition that you don't sin. Some of the Sahaba thought that was true, right? There's a couple of ayat came in the Quran where the Sahaba, they thought it was true. One is the ayah in Surah Al-An'am, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمُ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ the Sahaba heard this ayah, they took it that if you sin, you're gonna, be, you're gonna go to Jahannam and you're gonna be punished. Because they understood that dhulm here, because there's three types of dhulm, right? Oppression. Oppression comes meaning a shirk, and oppression comes meaning hurting other people. And oppression comes meaning sin. They took it as meaning sin. 
So they understood the only way you can be safe from Allah's punishment is don't sin at all. And they said, O Messenger of Allah, وَأَيُّنَا لَا يَظْلِمُ Which of us doesn't sin? I and mean, all of us sin. We cannot be saved then. And he said to him, it's not like you think. You misunderstood the ayah. Rather the ayah is like Luqman said to his son, Ya Bunayya la tushrik billah inna shirka la My son, don't make a partner with Allah. Making a partner with Allah is the greatest kind of oppression. The point here is the Sahaba, when they heard the ayah, the initial feeling they had was that the ayah is saying, you must never sin if you want to be from the people of Jannah. Whereas what the ayah is saying is you must never make a partner with Allah if you want to be safe and from the people of Jannah. So they, that's one thing. And the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَإِن تُبْدُوا مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَوْ تُخْفُوهُ يُحَاسِبَكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ When this ayah was revealed, it was hard upon them. This ayah effectively says, every sin you think of in your mind, you're going to be punished for. That's what the ayah says. Whether you do it or whether even you think about it, even just thinking about doing the sin in your mind, Allah is gonna, يُحَسِبَكُمْ بِهِ Allah is gonna take you to account for it, Allah is gonna punish you for it. And it was hard upon them. Until Allah revealed the last two ayahs, in which Allah said, رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِن نَسِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا And Allah said, قَدْ فَعَلْتْ Oh Allah, don't take us to account if we forget. Don't take us to account when we make a mistake. And Allah said, I have given this to you. Whatever you do, I will, I will not take you to account for your mistakes. I will not take you to account for when you slip. I will not take you to account for when you forget. The point is that Allah, can, we could not imagine a situation in which Allah tells us, you can only go to Jannah if you don't sin. But rather Allah told us what? You will sin. You avoid whatever you can. You stay within the limits as much as you can. And when you sin, you recognize that that's how you are. And you quickly rush to ask Allah's forgiveness. And you confess that Allah is your master and you are a slave. You realize that your head, your nasiyah and your forelock is in Allah's hands. And if Allah wants to put you into Jahannam, He can put you into Jahannam and He wouldn't oppress you in anything. There's no way. There's no way for you to escape Allah. And there's no one who's going to protect you except Allah. And then saying to Allah that I'm going to try my best to stick to what you've told me to do. I'm not just going to, now there's another extreme. The person says, okay, well, if Allah created me like that, may as well take advantage of my life before the inevitable happens. But the Muslim is not like that. He says, I confess to all those things and I'm going to do my best. The one the Messenger brought to us. And that's as much as I can do, the best what I can do. Says, Oh Allah, I'm not even saying to you that I'm going to fulfill your right. Because I'm not going to fulfill your right. I'm just saying to you that I will try whatever I can to do as much of it as I can, knowing that I'm never going to be able to give you what you deserve. And that's a reality. Because if you think about it, I'll just explain one way in which you can never give Allah what, what He deserves. Let's just say that you pray a prayer. That prayer that you pray is a gift from Allah and a blessing from Him. So you have to thank Allah for that blessing. Okay, you thank Allah for that blessing. That thanks that Allah gave you the ability to do is a gift from Allah that you have to thank Him for. In other words, whatever you do, you'll never be able to fulfill Allah's right. That's presuming you never did a sin ever. 
Then add to that the sins you did and the blessings Allah gave you, you cannot do it justice. But you can only do the best you can. And that doesn't mean you fall short and say, I'm gonna do this and that. I'm gonna try whatever I can to stay away from it. And when I fall into it, and then Ibn Qayyim, he said after all of that, he said, فَإِنَّهُ غَيْرُ مَقْدُورٌ لِلْبَشَرِ No human being can fulfill Allah's right. فَلِهَاذَا كَانَ هَذَا الدُّعَى سَيِّدُ الْإِسْتِغْفَارِ وَهُوَ مُتَضَمِّنٌ لِمَعْنَ الْعُبُودِيَّةِ He said this is the reason why this dua is called the greatest dua of istighfar. Because it encompasses the real meaning of being a slave to Allah. All of that dua is confessing that Allah is your Lord and you are his slave. And if he wants to punish you, he can punish you. And that you're not going to be able to do everything that he has and he deserves. But you just try your best to do as much as you can and you ask Allah to forgive you and you realize that Allah is your Lord. So all of that came under the first topic of asking forgiveness. And I'm only going to mention one more small topic now and then we're going to stop. We'll continue the topic of asking forgiveness and tawbah next week. And that is, what is the meaning of al-istighfar? If we look at the language, the original meaning of the ghayn and the fa and the ra, it comes with the meaning of covering and concealing. It comes with the meaning of covering up something and concealing it. And that's why a mirfar, a mirfar is that uh, helmet you wear on your head that stops you getting shot in the head with an arrow. That con it covers your head. That's the original meaning. But Ibn al-Qayyim is clear here that that's not the real, that's not the core of the meaning here. There's another meaning that comes along with it. And that other meaning that comes along with it is protection. Because just for Allah to cover your sin is not enough. Because Allah might cover the sin of even the disbeliever. And they might have done a sin, Allah never exposed them in front of everybody for doing it. That in itself is not enough. But to cover and protect. And that's why Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, they are wrong when they say the meaning is covering. The meaning is covering and protecting. And that's why the, you know, the helmet on your head or the shield, yani the, the, mail, the chain mail that you wear, the, the, the armor you wear, it doesn't just cover you. It covers you and it protects you. He said, Al-istighfar al-mufrad kat-tawbah. What does he mean by al-istighfar al-mufrad? He means when istighfar comes by itself in the Quran, without the word tawbah mentioned, he says it's the same as tawbah. Bal huwa tawbatu bi'ayniha. Rather, it is really what tawbah is, exactly the same thing. Ma'atadammunihi talabul maghfirati min Allah wa huwa mahwud dhamb wa izalatu atharihi he said, the real meaning when you have istighfar is asking Allah for maghfirah. And it means asking Allah to wipe out the sin, to take away the consequences of it. Because your sins have consequences, right? Like they, they're going to affect you in your life. Bad things are going to happen to you tomorrow. Bad things are going to happen to you al Qiyamah. So you're asking Allah, wipe it out. You're asking Allah, take away the consequences. And you're asking Allah, protect you from the evil. Not like some people think just to cover up. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَسْتُرْ عَلَى مَنْ يَغْفِرُ لَهُ وَمَنْ لَا يَغْفِرُ لَهُ Allah conceals things from... People he forgives and those he doesn't forgive. The reality is protecting yourself. He said, and that's why when you want to protect your head, when you want to protect your head, you don't wear an imamah. You don't wear a turban. This is a very, very yani, subtle point that Ibn Qayyim said. You see people wearing these hats. 
if I want to protect my head and people are shooting at me, I don't wear a hat like this. What's his point? The point is this hat covers my head. It covers my head, right? This hat I'm wearing, it covers my head. But it's not going to protect me if someone's shooting at my head. Likewise, just covering your sin is not going to protect you Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Just it, that nobody knew about it. Rather, what you need is for it to be covered and protected. And that's why he said, a turban is not called a mirfar. Rather, a mirfar is something that covers your head and protects it. And that's why al-istighfar is that which covers your sin and protects you from the consequences of it. And he quoted the ayah, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ مُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ Allah will not punish these people while you, O Muhammad وسلم, live among them. And Allah will not punish them as long as they ask forgiveness. And that's why it's famously said about this ayah, Allah promised you that He will not punish you based on two things. One of them has gone and only one of them is left. He promised he will not punish you as long as the Prophet ﷺ is alive among you and he's not alive among us anymore. And he promised you that he will not punish you as long as you ask forgiveness. Allah will not punish the person who is in the habit of asking for his forgiveness. This is in Madarij, As-Salikin. And that's a good place for us to stop inshaAllah ta'ala. We have a lot of discussion after that. A lot of points inshallah ta'ala about seeking forgiveness and tawbah and what does it mean. We should be able to finish that topic next week inshallah ta'ala. But that was a long introduction to it. We understood what it means. It means to cover and protect. So we're asking, oh Allah, cover it up and protect me that I don't suffer the consequences of the sin that I did. Ibn al-Qayyim mentions it as being the same as tawbah. In reality, tawbah we're going to talk about has its own conditions. So you can see that in some ways istighfar is lighter than tawbah in the sense that tawbah has its own conditions we talk about next week inshallah. And to a certain extent istighfar, and you might still not have brought the conditions of tawbah, all of them, but at least you're asking, oh Allah, cover it up and don't make for me any negative consequences. La fi dunya wa la fi akhirah. Don't make me consequences in this world and don't make me suffer for this sin in the akhirah. And we realize why it's built upon knowing Allah. And that's why if you see this meaning of tazkiyah to nafs, we finish with this. We said it goes between two meanings, right? A tathir, cleaning, and a nama or ziyada, building. Have you noticed how the two can't be separated? You build knowledge of Allah, it cleans your heart. You clean your heart, you get knowledge. It doesn't, the two of them cannot be separated. You cannot say, I'm, I can only clean my heart, but I, I will not put anything there. I will not build anything there. Rather, you build knowledge of Allah, it cleans your heart. And you clean your heart and it allows you to build. We mentioned cleaning first because that's the nature, right? That we want to try to clean our hearts. But in reality, you can't even clean your heart without building the knowledge of Allah within it. And so that's why tazkiyatun nafs, the word zakah, comes around these two meanings and we, they, they don't really separate from each other. We're constantly in this process of adding things to our heart and building and developing what is within our heart by knowing Allah and His names and attributes and actions. And likewise, that leads us to cleanse our heart and clean it and to clean our soul of the things that we fall into. We can take maybe five minutes, 10 minutes. We take a few questions, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, I don't want to be too late tonight, inshallah. And I'm conscious also about the masjid, but I've been away for quite some time, so we should at least give them some chance for questions. What I will try to do next time, if I can be reminded by the AMAU team, maybe Mahir can remind me, is to make an option for the sisters. Uh, there is like a good website you can make it that they can log on, they can ask questions because uh, we're kind of uh, giving the brothers all the advantages here. Uh, now, you had a question. Uh, does 
Do, does istighfar wipe away the major sins? We're going to come to that next week in detail. Does istighfar wipe away the major sins? Yes, it does. Uh, into a certain extent. So what we need to understand is Ibn al-Qayyim, he takes the position that istighfar is tawbah and tawbah is istighfar and they're only separate when they're mentioned together. In other words, you can either do istighfar and tawbah or you do istighfar which means tawbah. So he actually brings the two of them together. In that sense, it wipes out the major sins. But if a person, and he doesn't really regret what they've done, but still they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them, it can still, sins can be wiped out. What cannot be wiped out by the major sins is just doing good deeds. Like the hadith, وَأَتْبِعِ السَّيِّئَةَ الْحَسَنَةَ تَمْحُوهَا Ibn Qayyim has some kalam about it. He says that the word sayyi'ah normally is used for the minor sins only. And so that's why Allah, that's why the Prophet said, وَأَتْبِعِ السَّيِّئَةَ الْحَسَنَةَ تَمْحُوهَا If you do a good deed after a bad one, it will wipe it out. The word sayyi'ah, it means as-sagar, sagair. That's what Ibn Qayyim says, the minor sins. And the major ones require tawbah. But in the first place, istighfar is either containing it or it's leading to it. That's the best way of saying it or summarizing it is to say istighfar is either something which leads you to tawbah and it's the first step to tawbah or it includes tawbah, in which case it wipes out the major sins and Allah Azza knows best. Yes, Abi. Assalamu alaikum. Question. Nabi Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He told if you backbite behind your brother It's like worse than zina no. But the brother here means to a Muslim But in case if you backbite about a non-Muslim uh, What is the ruling? Mm. So what's the ruling on backbiting a non-Muslim? So it doesn't come under the title of ghiba itself Because ghiba, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Defined it as mentioning about your brother what he doesn't like. Uh, I mean, mentioning about your brother, what he doesn't like. But that doesn't mean it's okay to do. And that is because of two things. There are two reasons why riba of the non-Muslims is not allowed. The first reason is, it's something which is going to lead you to the habit of riba. And when you do it, it's gonna become a khuluq, a mannerism that you have, that you keep on doing it. That's the first thing. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that it stops people from entering Islam. It gives a bad impression of Islam and it stops people from entering Islam because when they see people who, do, who treat them badly and so on. But for these two reasons, it's not allowed for a person to backbite a non-Muslim. However, it doesn't come under the ruling of ghiba itself. Because Ghiba, the Prophet limited it to that which is between the, the Muslims. However, uh, it's not something we should be doing because of those two reasons. It is a bad, it's, a, it's bad manners which leads a person uh, to do it all the time. And likewise, it's something which causes a bad impression of Islam. But it's also important to note that all types of Ghiba, there are exceptions to Ghiba in general. And Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala spoke about it and others that whenever there is a need to mention something to the extent of that need, and Islam allows for that need. For example, let's just say you go to court and the judge in court asks you, did you witness that brother do that haram? Can't mention about my brother what he doesn't like, right? But in this case, the need of it overrides it. For example, in marriage, somebody comes to you in a marriage situation and says, what do you think about this brother? I'm think of, thinking of him for my sister. You can't say, I can't say something about him because he wouldn't like it. Whenever there's a need, the Sharia takes that need, but don't go beyond the need. Like it's what some people do. They say, no, there was a need, you know, it was like burning inside my heart to say something. That's not, that's not a need. Instead, just take to saying good about people now. Uh, just a cross question. Yeah. So it comes, Kiba comes under Kabir Guna because in Surah Ujrat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the one who backbites is as if he had he has eaten the mm. dead meat of his brother. For sure. So for sure it's Kunai Kabira. Also, uh, so when we do ghiba about non-Muslims, as it is uh, makru or not permitted, as you told now, which category does it fall into? Kunai Kabira or Kunai Kabira? 
Wallahi, I don't recall like I don't recall exactly that some of the scholars mentioned it. Does it come under a kabira? If you do it to a non-Muslim, Allah, I don't, I don't recall the answer from the top of my head. Maybe if I can research it for next week, I will try to bring you a quote from it, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wipes out your sins. Will he still ask you about them? That is a question the scholars differ about. It's a very good question. If Allah wipes out your sins, will he ask you about them or not? And the answer is that whether he will ask or not, there will be nothing bad will happen to you as a result of it. Some of the scholars, they said, the wiping of the sin wipes it from the record, as in you will not find it in your book. You will not find that sin in your book at all. Others said that al-mahu, it means the wiping of the effects of the sin, but it doesn't mean you will still find that sin written in your book. But what they all agreed upon is there will be no negatives for you. And it will not make you sad, it will not uh, cause any punishment, it will not make any trouble for you. Whether it is written or whether it is not written. And Allah knows best. Yani, the scholars, they differ this book a lot about it. Yani, will you find that sin written in the, law, in the not in the Lohan Mahfud, in your record, in your personal record when you receive it? And they differed a lot about it. Yani. No. Sheikh, uh, how do you make istighfar about all the sins you've done in your past but you don't recall like one by one mm. and you know you like how can you do it in a way which is sufficient to wipe so this is also something we're going to talk about next week in detail but i'll just mention one small point how do you make istighfar for things you don't remember one of them is to say allahumma li ma qaddamtu wa ma akhartu wa ma asrartu wa ma a'lantu wa ma asraftu وَمَا أَنْتَ أَعْلَمُ بِهِ مِنِّي أَنْتَ الْمُقَدِّمُ وَأَنْتَ الْمُؤَخِّرُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ This dua. Oh Allah, forgive me what I have done and what I'm yet to do. Yani I haven't done it yet. أَخَّرْتُهُ Yani I haven't, I haven't done it yet. I'm gonna, what, forgive me what I've done and forgive me what I'm about to do. And forgive me what I did in secret and what I did in public. And forgive me when I crossed all the boundaries. And forgive me for what you know better than me. The many things that a person doesn't remember. Even the issue of a shirk uh, in the dua. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika an ushrika bika wa ana a'lam wa astaghfiruka lima la a'lam. Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you that I would make a partner with you while I know. And I ask your forgiveness for what I did when I didn't know. But we're going to talk, inshallah, next week properly about the issue of the sins that we don't remember that we did. And one of the great blessings of Allah, by the way, so great ni'mah from Allah is that Allah makes you aware of your sins. Like we said, a lot of people become unaware of it. It's a great blessing if Allah makes you aware of it. And I feel that the real answer is that if you start making istighfar for your sins, Allah will give you the tawfiq to remember more of them to make istighfar. And that is based on the statement of Allah Allah will give more guidance to the people who are guided. So when you, you do something good and then you ask Allah to forgive you because you remember the sin, you ask Allah to forgive you, Allah will remind you of another sin and you ask forgiveness and another one. And you won't be in a state of being unaware and Allah knows best. Yes, Akhiyakim. So it's an excellent question. When we see this, uh, the need for urgency in istighfar, and Allah says, فَاسْتَغْفَرُوا Immediately, there's a sense of urgency. We see sins all the time. Is it exaggerating to make that istighfar all the time? No, it's, this is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in general. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, In some of the ahadith, he mentioned 70 marrah. And I ask Allah's forgiveness in a day a hundred times. However, a person, yes, anything can, can reach a, a, like a level of, of uh, wiswas, yani where a person is just like, they, they feel like they can't speak or they can't say any words without istighfar. 
But the idea of just being someone who is making istighfar regularly, and they saw something wrong, astaghfirullah. And then again, they saw something else, astaghfirullah. This is a beautiful thing. And as long as the person didn't reach a level where they cannot function, they are not in a level of wuswas where they cannot function, but they are just making istighfar the whole day for the things they see, and it seems to me that this is closer to what the sunnah tells us to do. So we should try to be like that people who, when the sin comes to us, we make istighfar right away, not we make istighfar tonight or when I pray, something like that, inshallah. We have one more or two more questions that I will take from the brothers in the back and then we'll draw a line so everyone can get up. Yeah. Salaam. For sure. It's amazing. So the issue of confessing to Allah is not an issue where you are telling Allah what you've done. Allah knows what you've done. It's confessing that you admitted that it's a sin. It's not from Allah's side. So you're not saying, oh Allah, you didn't know that I did this, but I'm telling you I did it. It's a confession as in, oh Allah, I recognize, admit to you that this thing that I did is a sin. And I admit to you that I should not have done it. I admit to you that you don't, it's not, you deserve far greater than that. Now it's not words you say, but that's the feeling, right? That's the, 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 the sense by which you make dua when you say Astaghfirullah. You're saying that, oh Allah, I confess that what I have done, that thing that I have done, I admit that it is a sin. And that, it involves two things, admitting it's a sin and admitting that no one forgives it except Allah. And that is, uh, or even three you can say, admitting the blessings of Allah and admitting that it's a sin and admitting that no one forgives it except Allah. And that level of, of uh, admission or acceptance or confession, that's what is intended by, by the hadith and Allah's best. It doesn't have to be something you say. It doesn't have to be, oh Allah, I did this sin and but it has to be a feeling that you feel while you ask Allah's forgiveness. And you can say, any, for example, a person, some sins, they, they mention, and a person would mention it. There are examples coming, inshallah, in the dua, where a person might mention, uh, even in the uh, Musa, in the, in the ayat which mention Musa, uh, when Musa says, وَقَتَلْتُ نَفْسًا Yani, the ayat where Musa mentions that he, that he killed a person. They have a sin upon me and I feel they're going to kill me. And there are like examples like that. But it doesn't have to be the case that uh, a person mentions the sin, every sin that they did and describes what they did. But just that when they are asking Allah's forgiveness, they feel in their heart that what they did was, was wrong. Now, last one from the brother here. Now. The ayah uh, which you mentioned, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ If we look at this ayah, even if sometimes an ayah might be revealed about a particular group of people, there's a principle in tafsir, al-ibarah, بِعُمُومِ اللَّفْضِ لَا بِخُصُوصِ السَّبَبِ That what we look at is the generality of the wording rather than a specific group. So no doubt the first people, yani the ayah came in the siyaq of the ayah, the context of the ayah came in the view of the, yani talking about the mushrikeen. But if you look at how the scholars of tafsir and the sahaba took it after that, they took it generally. So they would say that Allah promised you two means of being saved. He promised you to be saved while the Prophet is alive among you Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and as long as you make istighfar. So Allah took one away and He left one for you. So they would take it like that. They didn't take it that it was only for the mushrikeen. Rather they took it that the mushrikeen and anyone else who deserves adab, any, the people who deserve adab. But then the question is, if the mushrik asks Allah's forgiveness, does that mean that Allah will lessen the adab for them 
I think the first thing to say is that the mushrik's istighfar in the first place is, is not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they didn't bring the condition of istighfar which is at-tawheed, the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Islam. And that's why if they didn't bring Islam, their istighfar doesn't count in the first place. But there is an evidence that their istighfar can lessen the punishment or delay the punishment for them. There is an evidence for that. The last ayah in Surah Al-Furqan, قُلْ مَا يَعْبَأُ بِكُمْ رَبِّي دُعَاءُكُمْ If it wasn't for the dua that you made Allah, and He would have destroyed you by now, if it wasn't for the fact that you people still from time to time make dua. So it is possible that even the mushrik, their adab could be delayed or like they could have a more of a chance because of the fact that they keep coming back to Allah from time to time. And Allah might give them more of a, a chance. Otherwise, their istighfar is not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think here the key thing is that the ayah, the generations that came after from the Sahaba and those who followed them, they applied the ayah to the Muslims as much as they applied it to the mushrikeen, even though the context of the ayah came in the discussion of the mushrikeen and Allah knows best. I think inshallah ta'ala we'll uh, stop it there. Uh, and jazakumullahu uh, khayran for all of you, your time and your attention. Insha'Allah ta'ala we will be continuing every week until Ramadan. Next week we have the same topic but we have some more points to make. And that's what Allah made easy for me to mention. Allah knows best. Wassalatu wassalam. Ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.